talk a bit about the process of practice, kind of outline, see before you know, any particular system or technique, the process of practice, uh, and this is sketched in in many ways, but one way, a uh, very broad way, these five indriya are called the leaders of awakening, mm. they're the, uh, the ones who do the practice for us. <laughs> Rather than the per- rather than the, the personhood, uh, they arise within the individual. So it is true. It's not, they're not theoretical qualities. They're very much embodied, individually experienced qualities. Yeah. But they can't be they can't be obtained from the personhood. You know that that, that constructed person can get the idea. And sometimes that's uh, part of the frustration of the Dhamma. One does get the idea and it sounds good, but you can't quite get the, the, in touch with the engine, you know, where this, where this is going to be enacted. So you tend to think, well, oh, this is so great, oh, it's so clear, so what, I can't do it. No, of course you can't do it. And Chitta can do it. And... Uh, Chitta loves to do it if we give it a chance. So part of the <coughs> sense of embodiment is to really find a way to most directly access the chitta in its sometimes sort of not very clear, confused, slightly da- dazed, uh, wavering ways because it's a bit, hasn't had much light maybe, so it's a little bit tottering at first. Yeah. And we're trying to encourage that to come forth. But when we touch ground, and it can take a, quite a while to touch ground, that sense of, well, here I am, here it is, uh, acceptance, earthing in the body, the way the body gives us that possibility. Um, still, we have to check it out. Am I really here? Or am I trying to be here? Am I wondering whether I'm here? Or I'm actually being here. <laughs> am I trying to figure out how to be here? Or am I being here, noticing while I'm here, there's this figuring it, trying to figure out how to be here? <laughs> that's, part of, that's part of what arises. You know, that's what lands on the hereness, is the, is the uncertainties, the doubt, the wavering, the various uh, qualities, uh, the sangsaric tickets, tickets on the Sangsaric Railway, uh, and you don't want to pick them up, really, and wait. You're always here, behind the doubt and the regret and the desperation and the trying to make it work and the, all that, you're always, it's always here, but here gets coloured by these various 
qualities uh, that land on it. And we take those and we wait, just wait, pause, soften, deepen, widen, let it give it time. So I'm trying to encourage that <coughs> quality because this is where the indriyas will arise and it's different from the the jump which is the sensoric locomotive rushing out the jump experience into into these kind of giddy spinning vortexes that we know or experience and the indriyas arise there's a beautiful arising like the tips of green shoots after the winter coming through gentle beautiful arising quite tender at first but they grow and sadda one feels a sense of aspiration which begins to form into growing confidence then becomes unshakable conviction. It starts just as aspiration, you know, and it brings forth a kind of as it as it matures into some energy. Like you've actually got some potency, and energy always precedes effort. You have to have energy before there's effort. You can't apply what you don't have. So this is why, you know, just making, if you like, is any effort, the effort is to touch the ground, to receive the gift. Um, to take it in, to receive it, to learn to receive. Mm. And now the indriyas to arise from chitta. And they will do. We don't on our personhood, we don't know the ways of chitta. We've we've forgotten it. We've lost it. Maybe we do, but, but to a large extent, we've forgotten. We've got it as a natural, a natural arising. So we've always thrown it up, thrown ourselves up into life, thrown ourselves forward, thrown ourselves into each other, thrown ourselves past each other, thrown ourselves out of each other, thrown ourselves into the next thing. <laughs> Wondering when am I ever going to get the target? Yeah. Yeah. And this is to stop throwing. Yeah. And then the ground is here. And from that, we widen, soften, spread your awareness into that presence. And there is a sense of potency. Like, yeah, you know, oh. And just, just wait, let it gather. And then what can you apply to specifically? Energy starts to want to apply itself. Let me let me get on with it. Just 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 wait a minute. Okay, just let it now frame up. Just frame up. So we because the energy can sometimes rush and just frame up sitting here. Hmm. And again, you know, be careful of the sangsaric <coughs> pattern. Well, what next? What next? What next? What next? What am I going to get? No, no, no. Just, just frame up. 
being sitting here, wait, get that simple frame and wait for the patterns to arise. The first pattern you want to find is, do you actually have a full body sense known in itself? And then, yeah, it sounds simple, it isn't. It takes time for that to come out of the fog. Sense of rhythm, balance, firmness, earthiness, movement, subtle warmth. Yeah, that one. Doesn't have to be nice, clear shapes yet. It's just sense of getting textures. Frame it up. Frame it up. The quality of sati, mindfulness. You've always been with this. You were born in this before you had hair and teeth and stuff. You know, you were always, we were always with this. The rest of the stuff is just, you know, stuff that grows on the outside of it. Because what's cause that going to do you? Because that's that's for everybody else to look at. <laughs> Your stuff's in inside that, isn't it? So you see how easy it is, even with a body, to you know, to just that. There's such a rapid, sangsaric ticket pasted on that one. You know, rush out to the surface. <laughs> And you bounce off life like a billiard ball, you know. So it's just taking your time, feeling into the body, then what, what comes to you within that as you frame up? Getting more specific. Specific, what can I actually hold and handle? And uh, the body in the body. And what is the body's way of handling things? It's through the tactile sense, isn't it? Extremely sensitive. Is anywhere, you know, as sensitive as your fingertips. That's the way you should meditate. If you can't get your fingertips, at least get the palm of your hand. These soft tissues like that. You handle, you receive, you touch. Gradually you're, you're your fingertip sensitivity begins to come alive out of the, you know, the numb gloves we've been wearing. Got more. Ah, now you. So as stuff collects, so samadhi, first of all, is also a given, really. You know that if you frame up and stay in frame, things start to gather. If you stay in the right frame of reference, the right sati, patana, and you just stay there letting energy accumulate around that, and then, yeah, there is a sense of the effort is just to maintain that frame of reference. Energy will build in that, and it does collect. You You do start to take shape out of the fog, out of the spin, out of the blur. It does firm up. This is the first quality of samadhi. A kind of collecting, gathering, rather than spinning out, distracting, proliferating. It's, it's just modest, but these begin like the young shoots of spring. They're not big oaks yet. Yeah. Uh, so that sense, okay, you're collecting, letting things gather, and you can't rush an oak tree.
but if it grows, that oak is powerful and deep-rooted and strong. Mm. Now your panya faculty, your discernment faculty, the last of these five indriya, is that which is just keeping an eye on the whole thing, supervising. How's this? How's that? How's this? How's that? Take your time. Okay. Have you got that? No? Yes? Doesn't matter if you've got it or not. The important thing is to know whether you've got it or not. That's all. Panya's not critical in that sense. It's just, okay, you haven't got it. Never mind. Let's try this. You know, you go back to the, where you can find your energy and sadhar rising, where you can reach. And that's the way you practice. It's very much negotiating. It's like handling, feeling, sensing your way, dropping it, picking it up. Oh, how did that happen? Right, there's where it went. Okay. Now, perhaps a little more steady or more sharp, specific focus on just exactly this moment of breath or this sensation here, where, I, where it becomes clearer. Yeah, where I can actually get a more sustained and clear quality. Then this is the quality of panya. Mm. Mm. To refer and to guide and to supervise rather than just, you know, form critiques, which is when it turns into manyati. And that's, that's another sangsaric ticket, conceiving. You start thinking about yourself and forming yourself as an object. Oh, this is bad. Mm. So, you know, part of the faculty of Panya also says, well, just a minute, wait a minute, let's get on the right track. This one, you start to know the messages that come in, in into, into, the, into the meditation, particularly the way the forms, the self-forms that arise, the personal forms, the messages. And this aspect of Panya, of discernment, is called... Um, Yoni Sikara, deep attention. It means you don't. You listen to you hear some of these messages coming in about who you are and what you had to how to practice and what you did and what you would be and so on. And wait a minute, wait a minute. Who's who's handing me that ticket? Who's handing me that ticket? And where's it going? <laughs> this one's, you know, worry. This one's fear. This one's got to, this one's obligation. Hmm? Who's handing it to me? Mara, (laughs) the deceiver, the deluder, the, you know, the boss of Sangsara Railways. (laughs) Get right on board, dear, you'll find your seat. And I kind of, yeah, yeah. But then you know you you step back from that. Okay, that's what Panya says. Says, wait a minute, step back, pause, soften, widen. What's really going on here? And it's Yoni Sikara, What's the bit here? Through this kind of voice that sounds like me, a thought that sounds like me, telling me what and where and how the emotion that's so familiar because we've probably ridden that track quite a few times 
So in a kind of, um, I made a few notes, I don't generally take notes, but these are kind of notes from um, personal field work on this, <laughs> this area. <laughs> of the, <laughs> the kind of messages that come up. So one is Mara as the paymaster, the accountant, means actually you don't deserve very much um, of this. Here's 10 cents. You know, so you, you're really not very capable, so you can't expect to get very far. Here's a little you know, pittance. No, no ability to reward, to take account of your, of your virtue, of your, of your aspirations, of your integrity, of the things you have put behind. No, it doesn't count. All the effort you've done doesn't count. <laughs> In fact, you can't even notice it. This is the, the cruel paymaster. It doesn't pay you anything. Apart from, you owe me, actually. There's the, uh, the contract writer. You have to do this, you've got to keep going, you've got to do it this way, you know, otherwise you'll be. Fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. Failure, rejected, pathetic, so forth. Mm. Black and white thinking. I'm a complete failure. Everyone is seeing like a rock. She's doing so well, I'm pathetic. That comes as another, the name calling. The one that calls you names. And you can add your own favourite expletives to this one. Pathetic, idiot, (laughs) oaf, clumsy, fool, (laughs) dithering. unwelcome, and so forth. So, the perfectionist. You've really got to get to the high points now. There's a perfect ideal state of enlightenment that you should be able to achieve. There's an unrelentless quality of energy that you're expected to put forth. You should sit here until you attain complete awakening. Nothing else is good enough. Even though your knees hurt and your head, your head aches and you're feeling sick. doesn't matter. You've got to get this done. Overestimation, unrealistic expectations, perfectionism. Clairvoyance. There's no point trying this, it won't work. <laughs> Someone who reads the future for you. Hmm. Mind reader. Everybody else thinks I'm an idiot, thinks I'm stupid. You know, the yogi sitting behind me hates me. <laughs> <laughs> Ability to read minds, amazing. <laughs> Another one, self-blaming. Yeah. Yeah. The person sitting opposite me at the breakfast table is looking unhappy, it's because of me. It's my fault. I must have said something, done something, or not done something. She's looking unhappy, it's my fault. This, uh, these, <laughs> do you recognize any of these? Who's, who's handing out those, those seats on the railways? Yeah. Yeah. It's 
So you start to say, no, you get off the track. Yeah, we touch the ground. So it's, um, you know, the way it's expressed in more, um, you know, everyday terms is that uh, you see or read or you see something or you see a person, oh, she looks good, she's something about her that's got some clarity or she doesn't look so stressed. Hmm. What's she got? So you see a teacher or someone you think you can learn from. Therefore, a little bit of sadha arises. Particularly if it's another human being. Because, yeah, well, you know, that's a, that's a human like I am. But he looks more together or less flustered or, oh, what's that? Sadha. Then you listen. You draw close. You question. What's happening? What's this about? Mm. Sadha turns into a certain energy, the energy to inquire. Come forth. Come on. You know, bring forth your faith. Come on. Ask. Be keen. Listen. Give attention. Take in what's being said. Hmm. Give it your own due consideration. Don't believe it. Give it your own due measured consideration. What do you think that's really meant in your terms, in your language, in your life? What he or she said, yeah, how does that translate into your experience? Roughly. Hmm? Get the meaning of it. What's the essence of this? Yeah. Because that's the bit that touches the heart. And in all these teachings, it's maybe, you know, it all comes down to it's one or two points that actually touch the chitta, which go, you go, oh yeah, I could drop that. <laughs> ah. Oh, you mean I don't have to be that? Or, oh, I'm not that? Or, Ah, yeah, I see what you mean. There's that, you know. So it's just these little pinpricks of light come through. You, when you really get the meaning, it's not learning all the words, so one can repeat them. It's just getting the meaning, the meaning that lands in your chitta. And it's really, really, really interesting, you know, how that happens. There's the transmission. And, you know, maybe you think it's the teacher, mm, to an extent it is, but a lot of it is your, your chitta. Mm. So I remember an example, a humorous example, a, a friend of mine who was a, a bhikkhu, a monk, and this um, somebody, I think it was a, a woman was asking him some questions about some of the other, and she was in quite a difficult state. And she was doing this and that and this and that and this and he was kind of listening and he listening and listening and he didn't know what to say. And she was kind of, but there's this and there's that and I don't know about this and how am I going to be with that? And he was listening, feeling really quite concerned, but he didn't know what to say. You know, so she was going and then she finished what she was saying and he was still trying to figure out what to say and 
and then she said, oh, thank you so much, that was beautiful. (laughs) She actually, because she was able to hear herself speak and be heard and listen, and she got the meaning, which was, you know, just listen. (laughs) Or be awake to all that. And she found a place where that could land, you know, so in a way, he, consciously or unconsciously, through his listening, because he didn't actually react and t- start saying, well, you should do this, you should be that. He had enough trust to realize that wasn't the thing to do. And that meant it allowed her chitta to open and she touched ground. Aha. Uh-huh. All that is just my, my worry. Aha. Uh-huh. Thank you. And that was a genuine thanks, and in a way it was a genuine offer of because he basically didn't do the sangsaric bit of telling her what she should be and fix it and change it. So, but where did that arise from? Did it arise from him or from her? No, it arose from chitta. And chitta meets other chittas. You know, in a way they're almost, they're, they're like, they're like, consider it chitta to be like an energy field, rather like force fields of a magnet. And when it comes into contact with others, those fields start to align and line up. And then there's resonances occur. And as long as we stay listening and genuine, even in our confusion and awkwardness, those resonances line up. And there's a kind of, what they call it, I don't know, like a alignment where the ground is sensed and, oh... Yeah. Now who's that? Who's that? Doesn't have to be a person anymore, does it? And that's the, you know, there's a moment. We know that in the constellation, in the sharing, in the opening, and the receiving, and the sensing, and the handling, and the non-reaction, the non-railway, if you like, off the track, suddenly truth, the field of truth, the ground of truth is revealed. And that stuff lands and is able to dissolve because actually the ground of truth is something more like a pool, like a pond, and those resonances land and ripple and ah, ah, cease, release. When we, then we, you know, then there's a, there's a kind of collected quality for a moment, maybe. It's composure. And if your banya stays with that, you get the meaning of it. So, again, once things have landed, settled, keep your banya, keep your discernment there to notice that arose. How was it received? How did it resonate? Did it notice that? And notice what didn't happen. The important thing, notice what didn't happen, what you didn't do. And then that allows the dissolving. And we see the ground of truth, which is self-revealed, revealed by itself, opened by itself. 
immaculate by itself. There's no particular quality, it's not, uh, it's not, you know, all the, all, it's not the ideals of perfection that we project. It's very, every day it's formless, it has no particular quality other than to receive resonance and let it dissolve. But it's incredibly reliable. And often I find these processes are quite, quite mysterious. You know, like, how did that, where did that one go? You know, I didn't do anything, apparently. Well, I kind of did. What I did was stop reacting, get off the train and be in that sort of don't know funny state when you first get off something that's rushing you along. You do feel a bit giddy. So you've been rushing. Just find your ground, stabilize, settle. And let all those ricochets land. And there's one particularly in all that one particular one, perhaps, this time, which you'll really get. And that's the interesting thing. The samsara is holistic, and so is realization. It means in any one piece that gets released is the whole path. In any one piece, in any minor, you know, tightness or compulsion or resistance or withdrawal, any one of those has actually landed on the ground properly as it opens the whole path is is revealed. If you if you stay there. Here was Sada, the faith to bear to not give up on oneself, to not give up on one's heart. It was energy, the ability to just stay present, to hold sustained presence. It was sati, ability to just frame one particular piece and not proliferate around it. Yeah. Here was the irritation. Here was the regret. Here was the compulsion. Here was another stupid piece of this. Hold it. Yeah. Let your energy compose, collect around that, holding it holding it carefully and touching the ground, dissolving. So that's a piece of process. So, you know, with energy and effort, which again is a very crucial and key aspect of practice, the sadha, aspiration, uh, growing confidence, being eager to hear teachings, being eager to practice that sense of arising, the energy of potency, beginning to feel, you know, I'm, I'm fit for this, I'm getting ready for this. And then what is it, what is the first kind of effort to refrain from? And it's pointed out, refrain from killing, stealing, lying, sexual abuse, misconduct, you know, fairly clear things we refrain from. Uh, you know, that takes effort. Particularly verbal, you know, and that goes into thinking, just check that one, check the verbal outflow. And you, you can, we can do that, 
and we need to remember and touch into that in us which which does that boundary defining in that in that sense being has no boundaries but doing certainly does and we we establish the proper boundaries that allow us to you know rest into truth so being chitta has no boundary but doing has definitely has to have boundaries our actions our speech our movements yeah but those are boundaries created generated through wisdom so all these factors you know faith energy mindfulness concentration unification and wisdom they all yeah they're sequential but they're also inter interdependent you know in a way one starts with some grain of wisdom otherwise you wouldn't better start at all so in a way that last factor is also you could say it's the first and it's right view and it's you know that which says this is this and that's that and I've had enough of this and something must be better you know it's able to discern errors or things that aren't working so these are all in a way they're all they're all constant potencies but in terms of the leading when it comes into directed practice the first is sadha faith Second is virya, energy. And then the energy is to refrain. And to refrain from some of these stupid narratives that drive us down the wrong tracks. To acknowledge them, to, to say, I'm not getting on that anymore. Not getting on that train. Mm. You know, through knowing it. And you don't know what to get on. But you just get off that one and feel a little bit disoriented. Yeah. And then, okay, then frame up something that's workable, walking up and down, yeah. standing, sitting, something you can manage to do. This is a generous, loving kind of practice, not trying to you know, make us into Olympics champions on day one. Frame up something you can get to, you can do. And that depends, time and place situations, health, vigour, so on. Mm. But that, that, that is an effort. An effort that's not about muscle, but about discernment. Not about driven willpower, but about, you know, specific, practical, reasonable, sati, mindfulness. And then what, what you can sustain to mindfulness is that which frames up. Secondly, it resists distraction. It becomes a firm frame. Don't lose the plot. Stay on topic. Stay with the theme. It resists that distractedness and eventually becomes a firm frame of reference and this, you know, if you want to, this is what samadhi is. Mindfulness is the foundation for it because it, it firms up a frame for things to gather within. So samadhi is first of all uh, generated through sustaining a frame so the frame becomes firm. That's the firmness of samadhi. And as energy gathers, there's the pleasure of it. There's a lovely warm bright potency there 
Because what you, what you hold carefully that is relevant, that is capable of your energy pouring into, you know, that will become a source of pleasure. And those are both important for samadhi. Sometimes the firmness or the precision of it is, is um, uh, you know, given headlines, but the pleasure of it isn't always given the, the due credit. But uh, samadhi, vitaka, vichara are the framers. That is, we point, we handle, and it's very much a finger touch. So you can only touch for a moment, touch, specific, and then handle. Handle, how is this, how is this? So it's like a negotiated inquiry that you cultivate. How's this? No, no, how's this? Yeah, yeah, but how's this? <laughs> just this now. Not forever, but just now. You know, so this is Vitaka Vichara, it's negotiating. And that's part of forming a frame. You can't expect just to snap one out of the closet. Um, you know, here it is, bomb, mindfulness of body, bomb, mindfulness of feeling, bomb, mindfulness of chitta, mindfulness of dhamma, you've got four frames, get on with it. You've got to build one, because this is very much individual, isn't it? It's not theoretical, it's not off the shelf. So, building your frame. And part of the beauty of these indriya is the way they, they are they're universal, but they also crystallize in the individual form, the individual karmic field, you could say. So though, you know, one can sort of recognize the defectiveness of the, of the, you know, or the limitations of the personality, still there is an individual quality. Uh, and the, uh, as these come together, this is, this is manifested as the, called the sapurisa, means the, 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 the individual of truth, the truth individual. Mm. It means, you know, and you see when you recognize uh, the people who practice a long time, or people who have realizations, or people you sense have realizations, or you sense have depth, they all are quite different characters. They're all because they're all. It's all manifesting through an individual form. Yeah, and just remember, your individual form is different because it's an individual form, and you don't know what it is. But this is how it arises through these indriya. Yeah, and sati is both forming the frame of reference and the way that frame of reference is cultivated is giving rise to an individual handling. Yeah. Like it's your sadha, it's your flame, it's your juice, your potency. Yeah. From the ground of truth where you're touching it, yeah, through your presence, even, even though it's not a person, it's still individual. You're entering the, the pool from your place. Yeah. So this, you know, what starts maybe inspiration in a teacher also becomes confidence in oneself, but not one's egoic self, but one's innate potentials and potencies that can be realized. And in, you always want to bear that in mind, you know.
so that you don't try and become somebody else. And then your energy, well again, how your energy manifests, whether it's strong, rushing, bright, curious, delicate, you know, there's particular qualities to different people's energies. And, uh, you know, part of the, um, certainly part of the delight I experience in in meeting people is just sensing the particular formations of their, their chittas. You know, the, 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 the brightness or the, the vigorousness or the, you know, I don't know, of each, each quality, each individual, you know, the humor or the, you know, it's all, sometimes you don't have adjectives for it. It's just, oh, that's, that's him, that's, you know, that's his, that's hers, you know, how lovely. And then finding your own frame of reference because, you know, we all got bodies but no body looks the same and energetically they're not the same either. Just like the outer surface isn't the same. The inner is the same mixtures of earthiness and groundedness and warmth and vitality, the elements, water, air, fire, earth. But there's a particular ways in which those blend and configure. Some people are a lot more airy, some people are a lot more earthy, some people are really fiery. That's the way it is. Trying to tell fiery people to be cool. (laughs) Because, you know, maybe you're not so fiery or I'm not so fiery. No, that's not it. Oh, okay. How do you handle that? How do you blend that? Because the general theme is whatever's there, you want to blend it. So if you're a lot of fire... You want to say, well, where's your earth? Where's your groundedness? Or where's your, you've got a lot of vigor to rush forth, but where's your groundedness? Or, you know, where's your wateriness that allows things to settle and resonate? And these are just all one can advise and recommend that people find, because when they get the right qualities, they, they blend, and this is the blending of samadhi, is the gathering in. Yeah. So in somatic terms, we can look at it like that. It's where all the energies are no longer fighting against each other. Nothing is locked up, nothing is withdrawn, nothing is held back, nothing is thrust forward. It's all starting to gather into something which becomes a unity. And that's, to my mind, a more helpful way of understanding samadhi's unification. And certainly, by and large, it is considered unification of citta, unification of mind, from its scatteredness into this and that, here and there, me and you, future and past, should and shouldn't, ought and might, and um, right and wrong, and all that, and thinking and emotions into something whereby all that starts to settle down, because it can stay with the one topic, take it in and enjoy it. So if you look at it in mental terms, in jitta terms, it has to be something we have a satisfactory cognitive apprehension of it. I can sense this. Is it as you see a cognitive yeah. That's yeah, that's part of it. And maybe that bit gets emphasized and the other bits don't. But uh huh. I get I get that end of the out breath. That's the bit I get. I can clear about that. The rest of it goes in the fog. 
I get that bit. Okay, you get to the bit you can get to. Yeah. You can't get all of it in one shot, but you get to the bit that comes out of the mass, out of the swirl, out of the fog. There's, ah, oh, there. Get there, and then outer aspect of mind is the enjoyment faculty. I take that in. I absorb it. I like it. I enjoy it. I value it. Oh. If you don't do that, how is it ever going to grow? You know, if you put the bone down in front of the dog and it doesn't eat it, doesn't chew it, hungry dog, you've got to, you've got to encourage the jitter to, to chew that, take it in, get the nourishment from where you feel you're gathering, your collected place is. And yeah, and that may not, you know, a lot of us is just scattered and all bits and pieces. You don't get it right in one shot, but if you get it somewhere where it's gathering and collecting, that quality will start to resonate through the field. And the other stuff starts to either fade, drop away, or begin to organize around that. This is because it's the way that jitter is. <clears throat> and the doing that is there's an enjoyment, ability to absorb, uh, cognitive apprehension, uh, qualitative enjoyment, get the quality, enjoy the quality, uh, careful assessment. This is, oh yeah, that's there. Mm-hmm. So that again feeds back into cognitive clarity. Enjoyment is mental, emotional and bodily. Believe it. Your body, something in your body likes this. And if that isn't, if that isn't happening, then, well, no, this is not quite there yet. Mm. Mm. Process the, the Buddha outlined as appropriate for samadhi is vitaka vichara it's pointing bringing to mind getting the topic if the topic is out breath if the topic is front foot touching the ground if the topic is moving it can be a large topic like the sense of moving or the sense of balance it can be a refined topic like tickling sensation yeah it could be a fine topic could be a, you know, so vitaka, point to it, that which you can get to, vichara, handle it. How is this? How is this? How is this? And you're not going to come up with cognitive answers necessarily. You're going to come up, hopefully, with, oh, feels like your hand in your hand. And it slips away. Okay. Where's this? Mm-hmm. Oh, it slips away. What's this? You know, that's that's the daily work project, if you like. Hmm. But there's no point barking up the wrong tree, you know. If it, if it, if it ain't working, then okay, well, let's <laughs> knock on another door, as it were, and see what happens there. So this is a negotiation of suitable frame, suitable topic for meditation, any time. Sometimes it's just sit there and open up and, and step back, you know, let things settle. Mm. So that's a frame too. And stay within that until something more specific comes up that 
oh, yeah, here's where it can land. A lot of negotiation in this. Mm. Negotiating contact. And that takes panya. So samadhi and panya again, you need panya for samadhi, the discernment, the non-critical but assessing, the blends. But then when it starts to get settling, then certain qualities come forth. And the quality, first quality comes forth gradually as an increasing buoyancy of being, like a certain, it's called piti, uplift. And it can, it can turn into something quite, quite rapturous. But it starts as a sense of, you know, I'm putting in the air, now it's speaking back to me. Now the jitter is, is rising up to me. Now there's a sense of arising. And it's, it's, it's embodied. Maybe your shoulders just seem to drop a tad. Or your face loosens. Or something lifts through your centre. Or you feel more expanded rather than contracted. You didn't even know you were contracted till you feel yourself expand. Suddenly you're not in your old box anymore. Your old heavy weight carrying box. Ah, that's it. You're not carrying the weight of your personal stuff for a moment, for three moments. Good. Rising. And then one feels the, the fourth quality, sukha. One feels a sense of sweet pleasure. On that. And it's really, you know. So there's two aspects which are about cognitive clarity and handling, two aspects which is about pleasure. And a pleasure that um, the Buddha says, if this really develops, this saturates the entire body. So he says there's not one part of one's body, one sensed body, that's not saturated with this kind of pleasure. The pleasure that's born from disengagement, from getting off the train. That that was his birthplace. His birthplace actually wasn't effort. The birthplace wasn't, you know, what I did. It was just, well, it was. What I did was get off the train. You know, that's our, our kind of first... And if you ever get on the train again, you know what those voices are, say, before you do anything else get off the train, because otherwise you probably could be enacting sangsaric railways in another dressing. Call it meditation, but it'll be the same old track to the wasteland. So, Vitaka Vichara Piti Sukha, Sukha, sweet, contented, uh, enjoyable. And this gives rise to what's called ekagata, or what one mind unifies, it settles. And this is often translated as one-pointedness, and of course once you've mentioned points, it's hard to get a bit sort of narrow and picky, like the tighter the smaller the point the better. Balance everything on the head of a pin, and, but actually uh, it's the different ways, eka means one, Agha means one, th- one thing comes to the peak, one thing comes to the fore. There's only one thing in mind. And there's one thing rising centrally, you know, out of all this 
swirling stuff, yeah. And one's mind unifies around that one point. What is that one point? The one point is where your samadhi gathers. It could be a place in your body. It could be, it certainly be partly be a, a quality of your mind, of your citta, because it unifies those. So it might very well be, for example, you know, just the swelling of your in-breath and out-breath. That point, it's not a tight location in that sense, it's just a, a locus. But it will certainly also be your ability to be clearly resolved on that, confident with that, comfortable with that. Because, you know, this is, this is a mutual process. Things have to come together. Where do they come together? Where does your heart find ground in a locus? So we have ground as the measureless. Also with meditation we kind of generate framing up a locus for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so mental qualities are certainly necessary and to be carefully handled and yeah, encouraged. Bodily qualities are necessary to be carefully handled and encouraged. The balancing, the blending of that. This is the this is the qualities of virya and mindful and sati mindfulness and panya. And panya in this respect, in the frame of, of mindfulness, is called sampajanya or English words clear knowing, full comprehension, alertness. People translate it in different ways, but just if you break the word up in its Pali, sum means thoroughly, pan means completely, anya, knowing. Sum, completely, thoroughly knowing. Anya is not a, it's a realizing kind of knowing, aha, knowing. Mm. That's what the word breaks down to in, in Pali. So you really get it. And you're, you get it, so it's a deepening quality. So that's there with the panya that works in the frame of reference. Oh, this is, yeah, this is really snug. This is settling in. And when it's there, it starts to recognize the rhythmic flowing nature of, of phenomena. But it doesn't spin out. So it stays, settles in one point. And the derived, um, what derives from the, the samadhi process is we've begun now to access another domain of being which isn't cluttered with my pressures and noises and voices. And maybe it's just a gentle reminder drifting through. Stay on track, take it easy, steady. Look into that, just this gentle reminder of a guide. But isn't this kind of harrowing chit-chat going on? And this, then there's clear assessment rather than endless critiques and judgments and theories. And the clear assessment is what? Things are in changing, things are in flow, 
Neither it's not self. None of it needs to be held, appropriated, can be held or appropriated. Therefore, release. You don't have to do the holding anymore. And it begins to see the noble truths. When you identify, when you hold on, you're going to suffer. If you can get off that, you can experience the relief from that. And this is, uh, you're going to be out of track. If you keep your panya alert, you've got to track the path of sila, path of samadhi, path of panya, path the eightfold path, the process of sati, you know, you name it. Uh, or just these, you'll be able to track the qualities of these indriyas. Sadha, virya, sati, samadhi, panya, faith, energy, mindfulness, unification, discernment. So any of these, you know. So then you know you're on the right track. <laughs>